0: The Lord. be seated. Remember that our Lord Jesus can sympathize with us in our weakness since in every respect he was tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with boldness approach the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let us confess our sins against our God and our neighbor. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world, amen. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. Jesus came that our sins might be forgiven. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church. Extending God's peace, we invite you to turn and greet your neighbors in sharing the peace of Christ with them in whatever manner of greeting feels most comfortable and respectful. And for those of you who are joining us in worship online, we hope that you'll let us know that you're present with us today. Whether via the QR code on your screen or in the link below the video, we extend you a warm welcome as well. So, beloved, may the peace of Christ be with you all.
1: And peace be with you. Peace be with you.
0: Amen. We encourage you to take a moment to look through the closing pages of your bulletin for a variety of opportunities for connection, enrichment, and growth. Please also take a moment to find and fill out the pew pads either in person in your seats or digitally for those who are worshiping with us online. And I'll take a moment to highlight a few things of note. An important commitment that we make to our faith home here at Fourth Church is through participating in the officer nomination process, recommending individuals and maybe even you to serve a leadership role in this congregation. These recommendations from you are needed by next Sunday, October 1st, and details about making recommendations for officers are printed in your worship bulletin as a preview to next Sunday, which is World Communion Sunday. We look forward to welcoming our guest preacher for the morning services, Brian Ellison, who is the executive director of the Covenant Network of Presbyterians. Growing up, I experienced our family's consistent practice of gathering around the table for dinner, At the table, we discussed and celebrated our values. Education, giving back to the community, meaningful work, and faith. Our faith was nurtured and shaped by our second home, church, where we gathered at yet another table by God's invitation for the Lord's Supper. Home is where my values were shaped and where I learned about the value of stewardship. Now that I'm grown, I make my pledge to Fourth Presbyterian Church because I believe in the value of home. Details about making a pledge this year are also printed in your worship bulletin. In the spirit of thanksgiving, let us continue to worship God together.
2: Let us pray. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Enable us to respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 145 verses one through eight. Listen now for God's word to us. I will exalt you my God and King and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. There is no end to your greatness. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your power. I will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and all your marvelous works. They shall tell of the might of your wondrous acts, and I will recount your greatness. They shall publish the remembrance of your great goodness. They shall sing joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Amen. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Our New Testament lesson for today comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the third chapter, and I will begin reading at verse four. Listen for God's word to you this day. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the Church, as to righteousness, under law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings by becoming like Him in His death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this and have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. Often when people tell the story of how they came to faith, how they find their way home to Christ, it is a story much like the hymn Amazing Grace. I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I already have come. And this is certainly a faith narrative that holds much power and integrity for many of us. But in the verses that we just read from Philippians, Paul the Apostle tells his own story, which is quite counter to this typical faith testimony. Paul might have actually seen as sort of a braggadocious. He launches into his own identity as a good Jew, circumcised on the eighth day, part of the people of Israel and the lofty tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew born of Hebrews, blameless under the law, he packs in credentials and proudly exhibits them as he describes himself zealous for God as he persecuted the church. Yes, he lays out this lofty pedigree for the Philippians. And why would he do this? Wouldn't you think he'd be ashamed, particularly of the last point of persecuting the church? What we don't see here is that the church at Philippi was in a very fancy Gold Coast kind of place. It was a Roman city where Paul planted a church, actually the first church on European soil. And this was an evolved church in a setting of heightened class consciousness. The place was one where there was an imperial cult Coins, statues, processions, games, feasts, inscriptions bespoke the cult of an emperor. Caesar Augustus was their savior and lord. So knowing that, we all can see what Paul is doing here. He's laying out his own background in a very credential conscious context to a sophisticated faith community, where Paul's missionary journeys planted churches in a very different place from the places Jesus spent most of his time engaging, which were farmlands and fishing villages. But actually, this is not the end of the story but the beginning. We can imagine the church at Philippi reading this letter from Paul, nodding their heads, ready to let anyone know that this faith that they were inhabiting, that was seemingly a backwards faith of a peasant King Jesus from Palestine, that their own founder, Paul, has it together. He has moved in important circles. He knows his way around. It's great to associate with him. But this is only momentary in this letter, because Paul makes a quick move from laying out his credentials to a very moving and high-stakes challenge. He states that all that he has built his life on, from infancy to the moment on the Damascus Road, all he had gained he counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Yes, it's all loss. It's rubbish. It's dung, which is the real translation, compared with knowing Christ. And this radical upending of life itself, a radical reordering coming into an intimate engagement with the living Christ, is at the core of what Paul is saying here. His credential is knowing Christ and all else is compared as loss. It is a lost and found story, but one built on Christ. Paul recounts being found by Christ on the Damascus Road. You remember the story where he encounters hears the word of Christ and he is blinded Paul stumbles to Damascus, and after three days, with scales over his eyes, Jesus sends a messenger, Ananias, to minister to Saul. And upon entering the house where Saul was, Ananias lays hands on him and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you just came, has sent me to help you regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and the scales fell, and Paul regained his sight, and he began the most awakening, jarring, soul-engaging life. Paul was found by Christ, and Paul came home to a new identity. It's almost like someone is saying, Brother Paul, welcome home. What would it be like if our faith community had a powerful conversion experience coming fully home to Christ. What would life together be like if we began where Paul did, with our identity shaped by a clear commitment to tradition, unashamed of the place where we've been? We have a remarkable history as a congregation, We've weathered many fires, both literally and figuratively, in our life together. We found our life here within the city of Chicago, planted here on the corner of Michigan Avenue and Chestnut, Delaware. Drawing into this place some of the civic and cultural and education and business leaders of our city, we have engaged some of the most pressing issues of life. And every one of us, has a part this day as we contribute as a congregation to the feeding, clothing, supporting children, young and older adults, educating, building community for those who may feel lost and lonely and simply in need of fellowship and community. And the vision that continues to shine out of our partnership in Mission Chicago Lights is remarkable. And all of this is only for starters. Yes, we can be proud of our tradition, our robust history. And there are very many of you in this room today and online who remember and have been shaped by this. And we are also living at a time in history where there is a sea change, a coming unstuck of all we thought was certain and reliable. Yes, as we shift our gaze to the future, we honor all that lies behind, and we look ahead to what the Apostle Paul describes as the race before us. We are called to fix our gaze on the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And as we fix our gaze, our feet start to move, And the reality is that the race involves pressing and stretching and pushing and straining, temples pounding, heart pumping, muscles aching. And I hear some of you saying, okay, Forster Smith, that's for the young. And at many levels, that's true. But we are propelled in this race by the magnificent power of God in Jesus Christ. And all of this, and I mean all of this, is centered not in achievement or competition or trappings that have a hold on us, but in knowing Christ. One of the ways we know Christ is to pay attention to how and where Jesus is showing up in our life together here at 4th. For the past nine months, every Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m., A small group of dedicated church members have gathered with a couple staff members to listen, lean, learn, and search for Christ, as we've considered what God is calling us to do in our long-range plan for Fourth Church. We've launched into listening to some 650 of you who sent your responses to a survey and had conversations with our consultants about our life here at Fourth we've leaned into realizing that you deeply care about our life together, and indeed you are an opinionated bunch. And I think this has to do with your depth of commitment and the deep care of having your eyes on knowing Jesus. You've told us that you were lonely and that you're longing to know each other. You want to belong. You sustain your membership in this church because you believe that God's word through preaching and music and the beauty of this space and the joy of human engagement is alive in this place. You have a passion for justice, for racial equity, for full inclusion of our GLBTQIA community. For a prophetic word that shakes us from our complacency and helplessness, and you long for a community that takes faith so seriously that we reach for a stirring, soul-enlivening formation of our faith. And you are waiting for God's next move God's joyous, enlivening, loneliness-shattering community that will build on our tradition and look to God's future by stepping up in faith. You are calling us to a home church that is radically intergenerational, composed of mentors and peers and little ones and ancient ones, and even, yes, the blessing of our pets. And there's something in the constellation of this home base that includes generations, legacy, storytelling, familiarity, family. Sometimes we think we're going it alone in our work here at Forth. We're a large, prominent congregation and there's some pressure to look perfect, to have it together, to never show weakness or vulnerability. And sometimes our polity even gets in the way, all that decently and in order way of engaging. But I'm convinced that we've really just begun, that our call is to take some risks for the gospel, to know Jesus in his fullness, which means that we know the joy of the light shining out of his face. And also we join in an unflinching look at a world that is so in need of God's grace and God's mercy and our hands. To know Jesus in his fullness, as the Apostle Paul put on his running shoes to investigate, is to dare to live with hearty abandon, trusting, trusting that this very community welcomes each and every one of us. And as we launch into our stewardship season, You're asked to contribute, yes, financially, of course, from your means, but also contribute your time and talent, which you may have buried long ago. Dig it up, my friends, and contribute your time and talent as well as your treasure to this congregation. As I was thinking about preaching this sermon this week, a package came in the mail to me. It was from a friend that I haven't heard from for many years, and when I opened the package a book fell out entitled, Wild Idea. I quickly realized that this was from my Presbyterian clergy brother Fritz, and sort of was his magnum opus, the story of his own life's project. It told of his dream of buying a farm up in the Pacific Northwest and creating a learning community that would explore earth and spirit and future. It narrates the vision of a community of eco-pioneers who decided to take a risk along with Fritz, who's a Presbyterian pastor, to walk the way of God's abundant spirit people. And as I read the introduction, I was inspired by these words. Fritz says, I wanted to convey the picture of this organization, the Whidbey Institute, as a chalice. We have sought to be a carrier of the sacred regard for the earth and a bearer of regenerative power. I hope that our passion is evident. We've worked together with strong conviction with the earth in mind. We've sought to be loving friends. We are working to be more inclusive. And we have arrived at a place of new beginnings. And I love what he says. And I think it has a lot to do with our life together here in Chicago. I love his image of the chalice, a holy vessel. And I believe Fourth Church has been blessed in this way. I love the passion the inclusivity, and especially a recognition, like Paul the Apostle's call to the Church in Philippi, that when we run the the race, we are always arriving at a new beginning. This place, Fourth Presbyterian Church, is, I'm convinced, a holy vessel of love. It is a place that knows Christ. And our call is to offer the chalice of blessing to one another, offering the generous chalice of hope to this community and each other, and to this world, and seeking to know Jesus through our witness to each other here in God's home, and our witness to this community through the hands we extend. We're called to strain toward the prize And this is God's astonishing call to us for such a time as this. Let it be so. Amen.
3: Let us say together what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell,
4: And you may be seated. Well, good morning to everyone. Today is a special day in the life of our church family as we welcome those who have made the commitment to become members of Fourth Presbyterian Church. And with gratitude to God, we welcome five new members during a session meeting held earlier this morning. So I'm going to invite them in a moment to come forward and for those of you who are joining us online, you will also have an opportunity to see their faces on the screen. And I do hope that all of us will take the opportunity to welcome them, whether that's today or in the weeks and months ahead, as we welcome them into the life of this church family. So friends, when I call your name, I invite you to come forward and to stand here on this first step of the chancel. Joining today by profession of faith, Betsy Coe, Anna Prenzler, Kloon Walsh, and joining today by letter of transfer, Robert Acevedo, and Catherine Brown. So friends, I have a few questions for you to answer as you reaffirm your faith. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and do you promise to be Christ's disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? If so, please say, I do. And do you promise to share faithfully in the worship and work of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way? And do you promise to seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? If so, please say, I do." Beautiful. And now John Marr, a member of our church's session, has a question for all of us as a congregation. Will you, the entire congregation of Fourth Presbyterian Church, promise to welcome these new members, learning to love them, abiding with them, including them as family, supporting them on their faith journeys, and encouraging them to use their gifts for God's work in this world. If so, please say, we will. We will.
1: Well, in many ways, I could just re-preach my sermon this morning and have you all welcome, but I do want to give you a charge today. We are so grateful to welcome all of you to this church family, and we also hope that you will be generous with those gifts that God has given to you. I invite you to find a place in the life of this congregation that you will experience the love of Christ deeply, and to turn around and find ways to share that love with one another, whether in service, in building relationships, in deepening your faith, in seeking the face of Christ. This is your church, and we are blessed, so blessed to have you be a part of this community. So let us all warmly welcome these new members of our church family. (laughs)
4: So congratulations to the five of you, blessings and welcome to this church family.
3: And now let us join our hearts together in a spirit of prayer. O holy God of unending mercy and steadfast love, we are grateful for all that you have given us for the gift of this life, this beautiful day, this community of people to welcome us and where we are free to welcome each other. We are grateful, O God, also that you are slow to anger for there is much in this world that is wrong and set against your purposes. Overcome our many injustices with your justice. Overtake our lust for revenge with your great mercy. We pray for nations that are locked in enmity to be set free from old paradigms and to embrace a new way of relating. We pray for people who wield economic power to take notice of those whom you notice, God, and to have compassion for those who are vulnerable. We pray for day laborers and for the unemployed. We pray for those experiencing homelessness. Inspire those of us who have enough to share what we have, not in measured or resentful amounts, but gladly, abundantly, so basic needs do not go unattended. Gather up the first and the last, the least and the greatest, in the common work of your realm, until there is no more first or last at all, for all are one in your name. Help us all to see not only your grace at work in the world, but also your humor among us, the holy laughter that heals us and helps us see ourselves rightly. We thank you, God, for the privilege of believing in Christ, of living in Christ, and of living for Christ. In all things, at all times, we give thanks to you, who never lets us go. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Whether we have much or only a little We can share our daily bread so that all will be fed. As we have received, so now we give. In the vineyard of God, our tithes and our offerings, our morning offering will now be received. God of the harvest, we are privileged to be among those whom you have called. Grace to have been given your work to do, blessed to receive more than we will ever earn. Accept our thanksgivings and offerings and use what already belongs to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: receive now the benediction. Go forth into this world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to the good. Do not give anyone evil for evil. Support the weak. Uphold the faint of heart. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the creator, the redeemer, and the sustainer of life rest and abide with you and those you love this day and forevermore. Thanks and glory be to God. Amen.